0: This morning, we have the wonderful privilege of having Art Cerna with us. Art is the, the CEO and director at City on a Hill, uh, a ministry uh, in Central, or Central, in the inner city of Milwaukee, um, just ministering to people and meeting those needs. And so, he's going to share with us all about that and just share what God has on his heart. So, Art, would you come this morning?
1: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Amen. Well, greetings from City on a Hill. Um, my wife uh, is here with me, so uh, Karen, so if you could give her a hand. Thank you. And I'm blessed to also uh, come with our children, my uh, son John, who is here in the front, and then Tanya, who went uh, with the children's church. So uh, thank you all for loving on them. They've I've already gotten... Just reports of how welcoming a church you are already, and they felt very, very welcome. So, thank you and greetings to all of you. Um, I I know some of you, I met Jim earlier. Jim, where are you? There you are. Yeah, great to meet you. Thank you. So, he was the first one to welcome me right away. He helped me bring the stuff in. So, I knew, okay, I'm in the right place. This is a, this is a good church, it's a serving church. Uh, and so, I know that um, many of you helped. Uh, during the early years of City on a Hill. So I know you've volunteered there, you've been there, uh, you sewed into the ministry. So I'm really delighted to come and to give you, um, through the message, a report about the work that we're doing. If you've never heard of City on a Hill, my, my goal is that you will walk away with a deeper understanding of what God is doing in the ministry of City on a Hill. Uh, and I thank uh, Stephanie and Brent back there. They're helping me out. So I've got more message than I have time. So I I will do my best to be brief and amazing on the key points, and then um, I encourage you to come to the table in the back. My wife and and I think John will be there to help out, but if you sign up, one, you will get uh, a a little token of appreciation for City on a Hill uh, for you to take with you with a magnet to remember us, to pray for us, and then if you want the notes of the message, you will have a study guide that goes along so you can do your own Bible study and go deeper if you just, I just need your contact information, I can send you that ahead of time. Um, but uh, I want to just tell you the framework if we 'll get to the next slide, Stephanie. This message came for us that I'm bringing to you today, the burning ones, how to develop a missional lifestyle community that furthers the kingdom of God. Uh, we were processing. Uh, all of the shakings in the midst of 2022 coming out of the pandemic that causes a lot of stress and it all around the world but specifically in the central city of Milwaukee there's a lot of anxiety with potential evictions of homes etc loss of jobs Uh, and so we we've seen uh, a lot of increasing violence if you've kept up with the news a lot of shooting so it, it just creates this tension within the city. So we've been pressing into God like never before. And this message was birthed out of those times of prayer at city on a hill that God was promising to say the church will shine brighter even in the midst of increasing darkness in the earth. And so uh, the series of Let Your Light Shine came out of that. And I'm sharing one of them, uh, the burning ones. Uh, uh, just kind of cliff notes. Uh, that's you. You are the burning ones. And so I will get you through a story that we'll share today about what that is. We go to the next slide. If you've never been to City on a Hill, um, Pastor Mitch did a great job, but that's the picture of City on Hill. a Hill. Just the situation, the central city, is that's the picture of it. Uh, it's, it's an 18 and a half acre campus that God gave us a portion of it in the central city of Milwaukee. Uh, we've been around 20 years ministering. I would tell you, what are we like this, at this stage? We're a 21st century center of transformation for the kingdom of God. And we're, we're releasing discipleship-making movements in the central city. Thanks to uh, supporters and prayer partners like you, after 20 years, we've now got a cohort of disciple makers that have been grown in the ministry. And we're excited to work with Christine uh, in launching a new ministry out of City and a Hill focused on our alumni, and I'll show you a video here in a second that you will see some of our alumni that were with us when they were five, and they've grown up in, in the ministry with us now, and are now being released uh, into their next phase of ministry. Our hope is that they will continue to come back and help us renovate that entire neighborhood for God. Um, so if we can play the video, uh, just to give you a glimpse, I think it's a two and a half minute video uh, that shows you the voice of our youth and kind of what they deal with in their own words.
1: When is the first time you learned that it wasn't okay to be you? The first time you learned that being you really just meant becoming something more? How many of us have memorized scripts that told us we weren't enough. Scripts propelling us to play roles we never auditioned for. We were told that zip codes were the evidence for how our stories would unfold. They made assumptions about our location before they ever knew our names. They used five numbers to conclude the definition of us. These numbers limited us, saw the minimum in us, no longer interested in us, assumed the criminal in us, failed to see God's image in us, hid resources, yet they couldn't hide the resilience in us. We were the ones they thought success would never meet. Success isn't confined by numbers, isn't found somewhere between a nine to five. Success is a resurrecting of hope when others spoke death. Success is sensing God's handiwork etched in your entire being when others saw less. See, zip codes may tell you where you're from, but they don't get to tell the story of where you're going. See, it was a time, too, when they wondered what good thing could come out of Nazareth. Yet it took a Nazarite to change the narratives. A baby who made his grand entrance in a manger, transformed to being a life savior, a trailblazer. Some call him Jesus, others call him savior. He took on the rain so you don't have to. Defy death so you can defy the odds. They will call it luck, yet we say it's God, you are a living example of what it means to thrive. And it's no such thing as failure when you learn to survive, make no surprise, you are the evidence that God smiles. And we all bear witness that what they called impossible blossoms, if flowers can bloom where they've been planted, then you can thrive where you've been born. See, they made assumptions about our locations before they ever knew our names. But I wonder what they would say if they could meet you.
0: So I can just tell you, God is in the midst of this community. And despite all that we hear, God is moving. And just as he went about and found the disciples and called them to himself, God is doing the same in the lives of these young people. And he has called them to come on a journey. So if we can turn to Luke 24, that's where we're going to get started in our message today on an account. So right now, just in, 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 the, in the season of the church, we're between the resurrection and Pentecost. We're right in the middle, Right? So I'm going to bring a message out of Luke 24. Here's the big idea of the message. I've heard it said, begin with the end in mind. So I'm going to begin with the big idea. The big idea is this, looking at the story of the Emmaus Road, this message will hopefully show you how the resurrection of Jesus and his visitation to his disciples brings clarity, commitment, and community to our life as the church. So that's where we're going to dive in. And my hope is that you will take this from it, that if we take the implications of the resurrection and his ascension, then the world will, around us, long for a new life we have found. Because I can tell you, in the central city of Milwaukee, where we're located just minutes from downtown, just minutes where just 72 hours ago, there was like 20 people that were impacted uh, by uh, a mass shooting, no one died, but there were still 10 people, 12 people arrested, nine guns collected. The, the Lord needs us to bring life and hope more than ever before. So let me jump in. Luke 24 sets the context of the resurrection after the context of the resurrection of Jesus. He's appearing to the disciples uh, in this journey. There's two disciples in this account. So some people, I'm not going to break it down. That's not the way I will tackle this message as I share about City on a Hill. Uh, but if, if you were to do that, some people break this chapter down uh, in this way. You have the tomb. You have the road. You have the room. And then you have the mount. So if you were to break that chapter, breaks down that way. But Jesus is resurrected. But today... We're going to take it more like themes. I believe that God is calling us as the church of Jesus Christ. What are some things we need to apply in our own life as disciples as we engage our work of ministry as the body of Christ, with him as the head? So I'm just going to dive in and read. Is that okay? You just read the scripture? Amen. All right. So verse 13, that says, That very day two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. I'm sure they had their Fitbit on, getting their steps in. They were walking on the road. And they were talking with each other about all the things that had happened. Again, that's the resurrection had just happened, the empty tomb. So they're walking around. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. happened moreover some women of our company amazed us they were at the tomb early in the morning and when they came and when they did not find his body they came back saying they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said but him they did not see So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road? While he opened to us the scriptures. And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. They went back the seven miles. And they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. I love that account, how Luke puts it out, because there's a lot of tiny details in the way that Luke writes. And I would just say it's not just a story of what happened. If you look at the details, it's written as an eyewitness account of the events. How do we know that? Because he actually puts certain things in there about the women. And the things that they had no legal right in in Israel law, their testimony didn't really matter at that time. And you would only put it in there if it had actually happened to add value to the story. So it's an eyewitness account of a resurrected Christ coming to meet with his disciples. So I I want to dive into the message um, and just remember, help us remember that in these accounts, Stephanie, we go to the next slide, um, Later in this chapter, Luke 24, we have the, the Luke's equivalent to the Great Commission. At City on a Hill, City on a Hill, we believe we are part of the Great Commission. We go where maybe it's hard for people to go because we believe people should hear the good news of the gospel. And this is just a reminder that God has a heart for all nations, all peoples, every ethnos, every ethnic group in the earth. Um, and so we're we about that today. If we go to the things for today, Stephanie... Uh, I, I want to approach this from what are the key things I believe God is saying. I'll spend more time in certain ones than others uh, that I believe are, are important for you. But I just want to acknowledge that the presence of God is here this morning. Uh, and thank you to the worship team that brought the presence of God. I mean, I was being wrecked right in that little corner uh, with Jesus. I was, I was getting wrecked. Uh, I, I almost said, okay, Mitch, if you keep going, like, I, I might have to turn the pulpit over to you. And I'm just going to crawl in there and seek the Lord because the presence of God was so clear here. He's pursuing this church and he's pursuing many of you. There's a call that is going out of the heart of God that is calling you to him. And and I I love that. It was so evident. It was so clear. Uh, And so my hope is that the spirit of God will give clarity to that call that he's stirring your heart and your spirit to respond to what he's saying to you this morning. But I, I take these themes as an exhortation uh, to the church today. Uh, so I want to start. Where's the first theme of the story I believe that God is prompting us? Number one is adventure into the unknown. Adventure into the unknown. I believe God is saying that to the church. So there's this... Uh, where we do work at City on a Hill, if you read the statistics, there's a ton of trauma. So we had... Um, you know, shootings is, is normalized in a way, and we had one of our alum, alumni, um, he's a 27-year-old man, uh, and his daughter, he, he doesn't have custody, but she goes to our youth center. We watched her, our staff watched her be born, and in some ways, we've sort of adopted her. She comes to all of our children's events, um, and she's there almost every day. And, and her dad uh, and her mom is also an alum of City and a Hill, but she lives with her mom. Uh, her dad was shot several weeks ago uh, in in the city. They, they, he doesn't live with her, but they were close. Uh, so he's standing out, you know, who knows kind of the implications of how that happened, but he he bled to death and died in front, in front of his house. So the trauma of that and our team thinking through, how do we sit down with this? elementary child, daughter, and explain to her what just happened. And the fact, and her question, she's a real evangelist. Her first question in in addressing when they finally had the conversation was like, is she going to go to heaven? Because she understood that her doubt was on a journey, and in some way was teaching her an atheistic view of a world. So he wasn't as engaged. His mom is fully in, but he was not. So engaging her in those things at that early age, all I, for me, is she is a growing evangelist in the kingdom. And at the same time, she's going, having to experience trauma that many of us never hope to have to experience at that age. So we we, that is the unknown. God, we don't even know How do we show up? We don't don't have the words. We need the presence of God. We need to be in the presence of the Lord. Say, Lord, give us the words to say. And I can imagine these early disciples had just seen their master, the Messiah, their teacher, go through a horrific death on a cross. And they had to swallow the trauma of the devastation. I mean, like... Literally, with your 401k, whatever you had planned, like you were like, this is it. And in one day, it was completely removed. And they were in that state of shock themselves as as believers. Um, But this concept of, we've heard this term, cognitive dissonance. It's from physiology. Cognitive dissonance is defined as the discomfort felt when your beliefs are inconsistent with one another or with your actions. You believe something, and something in front of you completely delivers a different message, and you're like, I don't know what to do with that. Like, I, 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 and your brain. So, but the, the, the helpfulness of this is when you have these moments, uh, brain science tells you this disruption actually makes your brain the most receptive to learn and to grow. Going through that crisis, that inconsistency, actually makes your brain like a sponge that you can grow, to, you could grow a lot if you have the right way to gain truth and knowledge. So I say that to say this, that in the story of the road to Emmaus, they had just gone through a traumatic event. And in this road, they knew a lot about the Lord. They had spent years with Jesus. And even then, they thought they knew who he was, but they didn't. And when they saw him crucified, that was a moment of cognitive dissonance. Their beliefs in what just happened didn't, just clashed. And they were in a moment of despondency and sadness. They didn't know what to do with that. And I believe the world as a whole has gone through a global event, historic in once in a generation. And we're still trying to figure out how does my faith and what I thought God and all of the kingdom and the purpose of God, how does this align with what I am seeing? So globally, I think we are going through a, motion, a season of cognitive dissonance and trying to figure out, Lord, I don't know what to do. But we prayed or we done this, and I don't know what to do as a church. So having said that, the point is that all calls us into the adventure because Jesus is in the midst of his people. And he's calling them to come to him. And we need the truth that the resurrected Christ brings. And the last point I would say on this point, we do, my wife John and, and Karen have actually done this. I haven't yet, but they've done our poverty simulation at City on a Hill where we we help people build empathy for those growing up in urban poverty. It's a 40-hour experience where you come in and you go through an experience and you get to actually experience what poverty really looks like uh, in an urban setting and we have some of the most powerful learning experiences when people that commit to go do that that you could not get from a book like you go through I don't I, I think it's straight so I can't even share like what what we do but it is it is a powerful thing and, and people experience they're they're facing a truth and they have to deal with that and we're pumping truth from the bible about God's heart for the poor and for justice. And we have people that years later, I have staff members that say, I'm here now because you know, 10 years ago, I did a poverty simulation and God just wrecked me. And I, he put in me a heart for the poor and the marginalized, and, and I, I just couldn't do anything else but be in a mission for him. So that's the first. I believe God is calling his church to adventure. Number two, um, Yeah, Stephanie, we can skip and just go to number two. I believe God is calling his church to embrace different. Embrace different. So God's kingdom operates from an entirely different dimension, a whole different realm than what we see materially. And it has to be spiritually discerned. It is said that this book, it's it's the most incredible book ever written, But it's also the only book where you actually need the author present to comprehend it. You actually need the author to be present to understand it. Because without the work of the Holy Spirit, you read this book and you say, I have no idea what, I just don't understand what it's saying. But if he's present, the scriptures will be open to you and you will understand. Embracing different is these disciples had... An expectation of what they thought was going to happen when they said yes to this, this, this man who was walking and calling them, follow me. And they had just, those hopes had been dashed. They felt that he was going to bring a certain type of kingdom, that it would look a certain type of way. in their context This Roman Empire, the most powerful empire in that day, right? And, and in that time, they felt, they thought it would look a certain way. And it didn't. And they had to deal with that. That was different. The other thing is, they had to believe that the resurrection was even possible. I mean, in this context, you have this resurrected body in Christ walking next to them. That's kind of different, right? Later on, it's the vision of angels that the women are coming. So we just saw some angels and like this tomb that with a big, massive rock is empty. Well, that's kind of different. How does that happen, right? And things like that. So, I, So we... When we were um, deciding to move to, from Oklahoma City, Texas, all the way to Milwaukee, Wisconsin, to take on the role in this ministry, it, there was a lot of time we had to spend with the Lord and pray. And we had to embrace different. Somebody told me, ain't it different up here than Texas? Yeah, it's a little different. It, in many ways, different. Uh, my kids were born in Austin, Texas, and so we are getting used to embracing different living in the, a major city with the demographics and the context of Milwaukee, it's way different. But we have to embrace the heart of God for that community in the way that God longs for her and weeps for her. Um, but also, uh, I hope that you've seen it, but there was a, a series that was launched during the pandemic about the life of Jesus called The Chosen. If you have never seen it, I recommend it. But there is this fascinating scene in episode 8 Uh, where Peter is complaining to Jesus about having called Matthew, the tax collector, to become part of his band of disciples. As Peter is protesting this, and Jesus reminds Peter that he wasn't his obvious choice to be a disciple either. And Peter responds, but that's different. Matthew is a tax collector. Whoa, voice of God. To which Jesus turns to Peter, and he says, get used to different. It's, powerful. it's a powerful scene in that story. And I believe here the disciples in verse 24 are just talking about having to contend with this. Um, God calls you to different. As we walk with these young people, we are learning their path of life is very different than ours. The things they deal on a day-to-day basis, it's a whole different paradigm. It's a whole different world. It's like a Jew going to a Samaritan in the context of Jesus' day. Their customs are different. Their way of life is different. Their day-to-day is different. It, it, like, the paradigm is way different. We have to embrace different for us to adequately reach them for the Lord. we we'll go to number three. Listen deeply is the next one. I believe the theme of God is calling us to learn to listen deeply. And this is really the core one. If I were to say walk, with, walk away with one, I would say this one, I believe, for your church today. Uh, the burning hearts, the path to this out of the Emmaus experience that we read in Luke 24, it came when they listened to him not when they were pressing in in prayer or talking to God. I'll just remind us in verse 32 it says they said to one another, "Where are our hearts not burning within us when he was speaking to us, while he was explaining the scriptures to us." So let's check our posture at times it's how much are we listening to the Lord? as we approach the King of Kings in this context, I believe that is the catalyst for the burning heart. How well are you listening? Because I would tell you, these two disciples, uh, Cleopas and his partner, we, we we're not told who his partner is. There's ver- various traditions of to say who it is. I don't think it's as important. But there were two disciples. They had grown up with the scriptures all their life. They had been taught all of what the Moses writings, since they were little little kids. It was part of their culture. So it wasn't like they didn't know the scriptures. They knew them. But even as Jesus comes alongside of them, he opened up the scriptures to them in a different way. But they weren't talking, they were listening. And he said, you you hear it in the scriptures, right? Faith comes by, what is it? Hearing. And hearing by the Word of God, right? So listen deeply is the pathway to the burning heart as a community. So when we were considering this commission call of the Lord to us uh, from Oklahoma City, we had to spend a lot of time to truly say, God, is this really you? Like, really? Like, it's, 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 it's not easy to get all the way to family in Texas from Milwaukee, especially during the pandemic when we came. But God, we had to truly say, God, is this your will? Help us to understand and frame this. Uh, Because I I believe that deep listening unlocks our spiritual understanding uh, of the Lord. Our prophetic uh, antennas go up to situate God's true truth in the timeline. So I'll tell you this. They knew the word, but they didn't understand timing or context. They knew the word, but they couldn't apply it in their context. So to listen deeply from this account, Jesus had to come to them and actually explain spiritually what the scriptures were actually saying about that. And applying it to this is like right now, this is what's happening. I remember in Simon Peter, as you read the scriptures, there's actually two accounts of Simon Peter. The first one, when he's called to the Lord, where Jesus gets into his boat, sits and teaches. and They've been fishing all day. They've not been successful. If you remember the account, the Lord just constantly, how are you friends? And, you know, have you caught any fish? And they're like, no, we've been like fishing all night. Tried it, done it, and have caught nothing. And then he said, why don't you just... Throw the net on the other side. He said, well, you know, he explains the thing. He says, but because you have said it, master, we will do it. And he casts the net. Timing. Timing. The word of the Lord. This is like the word in the flesh, right? It's a scripture walking with them in the boat. And And he applies it to a very particular time and gives them context. Do it now. And as they obeyed, they caught, there's so much fish that the nets were tearing, right? Later down, after the resurrection, they go back to fishing because they don't know what to do. They've got this cognitive dissonance. We don't know, and we don't know what to do. God. And then they hear again. They go fishing, and again this this man shows up. He says, "Friends, how are you?" And talks and says, "Cast your net to the other side." They do it again, and they catch so much fish. In that moment, John says, "That's the master. It's the Lord." So all to say, deep listening positions you. To actually experience the breakthrough of the Lord. You may know the word. But unless you know how to apply it. Uh, you won't get it. So we'll go to point four. I've kind of already talked about this. A line prophetically. He says from Moses on. He explained to them that the scriptures were really pointing directly to him. To Jesus. So I've got a lot of scripture here. I'm not going to go. That's part of the notes. That points to Christ. Everything about the kingdom points to the Son and His purpose on the earth. So as we walk with the young people at City on a Hill, every Tuesday evening we have discipleship classes for middle schoolers and high schoolers. And we are presenting Jesus to them. And not just like about the Lord, but what is the heart of God for our community. So we are teaching and planting those seeds so that as they grow... They actually develop a worldview that is connected to God's heart for people and cities and communities and families and neighborhoods. So aligning prophetically is just saying, what is the heart of God? What is the plan of God? And how do I fit into that? And I believe that's important for the church to understand. Number five, if we go to uh, number five, Stephanie, is welcome is invitation. This is important because at various times, Jesus comes... And he doesn't push himself to them, but you know, he comes, friends, what are you talking about? Like what things? Right? He uses questions to invite himself into the conversation, but he doesn't like press himself into it. Right? At different points on these two disciples, he approached them and then later he kind of made it like he was walking further. They're like, Oh oh, don't go, right? So he makes the opportunity for an invitation. Do you want to go deeper? Do you want to go deeper? And I believe he's saying that to the church. Do you want to go deeper? He's making the invitation. Revelation uh, Scripture, Revelation 3.20 says, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and will dine with him and he with me. What is your response to the knocking by the Lord? As he does that. We believe people here at City on a Hill they're going through so many things constantly. So we, we don't just make one invitation on behalf of the Lord. We make constant invitations. At our dinner church, this is something we launched during the pandemic, a church community that can connect people and create opportunities for them to encounter the Lord. Um, and at dinner church, there was this lady. We, we made an opportunity for prayer, and we made an invitation. Would you like for us to pray with you for any felt need that you have? And this lady uh, agreed and said, yes, I have this need. There's this good friend of mine that I haven't seen for weeks, just my best friend, and it's just disappeared. I haven't heard from him. So uh, the people at that table leaned in with the Lord, and they began to pray. And this individual began to weep, just feeling the love of God in that moment, um, almost making an invitation to say, do you want more of Jesus in that context? Uh, And so they closed the prayer and then we moved on to the rest of the meeting of the dinner church. Uh, Within three minutes or so, uh, the lady got a text on her phone uh, and it was her friend saying, hey, I need we need to connect. We need to talk. So we prepped her up and she went home so she could go meet with this friend. But we create opportunities for people to respond to Jesus and have him be who he is and do the kind of things that he does. Number six, uh, I believe God is building a resilient community for the church because right now the tensions and the polarization in the world uh, requires a church to have a backbone. Uh, these disciples had to develop a depth of... under. You know, Jesus, uh, Peter denied Jesus three times, even though he had walked with him. And he had to learn through that process really to deepen his love for the, for the risen Christ. And so I believe in the work that we do that God is calling us the same to develop this because in, in the early church, as you see in this account of Emmaus, there is a blending of the supernatural and the practical. It's both, both are happening. This is the resurrected Christ. He's engaging with the disciples, right? He's revealing something by the Spirit, and then he disappears. So God is moving in, in multiple ways, and that helps them build resiliency. When we talk to people uh, at, at City on a Hill, like the child that I just mentioned, her mom, etc., they, they have to see Christ in us, the hope of glory. They have to see that in the midst of the chaos, that Jesus is still present, that Jesus is still moving, that Jesus is still able because that develops in them a resiliency to cope and to press through the chaos. Just like the disciples had to do. Because they, they, if you remember, they were sad, they were despondent, they were just like, we don't know, they were leaving Jerusalem. They weren't like staying in the hub, they were actually leaving Jerusalem. Like we don't know what the next thing is. And after they encountered Jesus and he left them, what did they do? They turned back. And then way back to the hub of where God was moving. So the last one I will tell us, theme number seven, and then I'll turn it back to Pastor Paul here. Is uh, and this is one of my favorite parts: worship with understanding. And. at towards the end of this, after verse twenty-four, they've met with Jesus. He disappears. He appears again in verse fifty. It says, and he let them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they, after worshiping him, returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising God. I think that's powerful. Because before this encounter, they weren't sure what to do. Like they, they literally had no fuel to worship. They lacked understanding that he was who he said he was. The Messiah, the Christ, all the scriptures, unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, the government should be understood. All those promises of who he was. Psalm two, Psalm 110, all those Malachi, all those things that the one who created the way, all those things were really truly pointing to him. They didn't know that fully believe it. They heard it. But it hadn't sunk in as revelation to them. And once they caught that at this account in Bethany, and it's powerful too that in Bethany was the place where Jesus would go to refresh himself. That's where Martha, Mary, Lazarus lived. And that's where he went when he was on the earth to refresh. Sounds like somebody, you were at the beach reading a book. This was, would have been like a Bethany to Jesus to come in and refresh. And it was also where he resurrected Lazarus even prior to the cross. And then we said to Satan, I do have authority over death. And in that place, he ascended onto the throne. And they worshiped him. So I believe the call to us, um, and I will close in prayer, is become just like the disciples in the Emmaus road. All of us are in that same pathway as an Emmaus right now. As a church globally, capital C, we are coming out of an experience. You know, some people have never come back to church after the pandemic. They just disappeared. Um, I'm not saying that's where you all are at. But globally, like in the church, uh, people have been stirred in their faith. Or like shaken in their faith, more is more accurately said. To say, wow, like where is God in all of this? But just like in Emmaus, God is always He's got a prophetic plan. It's always pointing to Christ and and beyond. And he is calling us to say, as he comes alongside of us in our confusion or in our questions, he is showing up on our Emmaus road. And he is revealing himself. Who do you say that I am? And I encourage you, church, as you lean into that invitation from the Lord, your worship is going to go to a whole nother level. Let's bow our heads and I will pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the message. We thank you for the Spirit of God moving and working in our community. Lord, we thank you for the way that you are shaping disciples in this moment in the earth. We honor you as our creator and as our messenger and as our seated Christ on the throne. We bless this community of people, Lord. Uh, we thank you for Portview Church. We thank you for the way that you are drawing people to yourself. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would encourage, you would affirm the call of God in those who are here this morning and ignite in us a heart for worship, that our hearts would not remain in a place of brokenness, O oh God, or sadness, but would move to burn for you as you reveal yourself to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all.